and welcome to episode eight of the Random Thoughts podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts. If you're looking for us wherever finer podcasts are distributed, including our website, randomthoughts.com. We would have a Twitter, but I keep trying to sign up for a Twitter and they want to verify phone numbers and all this other crap. And you know what? It's a podcast. It's not a Twitter account. So screw Twitter for right now. If you want to reach us, you can do so using old-fashioned email, and you can email us at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. Here we are, episode number eight. Today, I wanted to talk about retail, and I wanted to talk about retail for a few different reasons. One, there is a massive shift going on in the country, in the world, as far as how people are buying things, Amazon, the big behemoths, you know, these kind of things. Two. I cut my teeth working retail, so there's some stories that I wanted to delve into. And three, the the big story on the news today happened yesterday. It was a retail nightmare, I guess, or maybe it's a good retail thing. It depends on which perspective you want to look at it from. Build-A-Bear, the company that sells stuffed toys, and accessories for stuffed toys. I feel like Hank Hill, I sell propane and propane accessories. Build-A-Bear sells stuffed toys and accessories for stuffed toys. And they had had a promotion yesterday, which was the pay your age promotion. Meaning, if you were five years old, you paid $5 for a toy. If you were 65, well, you're screwed because you're going to pay full price. Couple different things. One, this kind of seems like ageism to me. This doesn't really seem fair, but that's beside the point. I'm old. I'm bitter because I would have had to pay $48 if I wanted to go buy a stuffed bear. Now, the problem with this concept is twofold, really. One, it brings out a bunch of total asshole parents trying to benefit from having young children to get a discount. And you figure... Okay, how many people really are going to drag their kids out of the house, go to a mall or wherever your local Build-A-Bear exists, but you're going to drag your kids out. In Chicago, it's like 90 degrees. A lot of places around the country right now, it's really hot. You're going to drag your kids out to go get a toy because you can get a discount based upon their age. How many people are going to do this, you figure, right? Thousands. Thousands of freaking parents tore their kids out of the house and brought them to stand in line at a -a Build-A-Bear for the Pay Your Age promotion. Now, I wondered, it's like, what is the most expensive toy? You know, what is is the range at a -a Build-A-Bear? How good of a deal is this? Build-A-Bear products look, according to an article on foxnews.com, range anywhere from $12 to $65. So best case scenario, you drag your kid out of the house and you can prove that he's one or under. I guess if you're under one, were they giving away free stuffed bears? Maybe that was the loophole here. But if you dragged your infant child out to get a $64 discount on a stuffed toy, which is really worth what? I mean, I'm sure Build-A-Mare makes some really nice stuffed toys. I own a couple of them that are mascots for Major League Baseball teams. I don't have any other normal Build-A-Bear things in the house that I know of. So what's it really worth 
What are you really saving? Is this really worth it in your mind? That's child abuse to drag your kid to the mall and make them wait in these lines. I said, you know what? Apple's coming out with their new laptops. You know, they're running like $6,000. If I could save $1,000, I might go stand in line for a few hours. But these idiot parents, within moments, minutes of Build-A-Bear stores opening yesterday across the U.S. and Canada, they already posted to their website that they've closed the lines because the demand was just way, way more than they had anticipated. Build-A-Bear confirmed the rumors about its discount earlier this week, the article says. The promotion for bonus club members only. They must have a lot of bonus club members. I thought retail was dead. I really did. I mean, I didn't think anybody went to the mall for anything anymore. Obviously, Build-A-Bear and their bonus club members, there's there's a ton of them. So I will applaud Build-A-Bear for this one. The promotion lets you buy any stuffed toy for the same price as their age. And again, the full price toys anywhere from $12 to $65. It's easy, the company said. How old you are is how much your furry friend costs. Again, it doesn't seem fair to me. Does that seem fair to you that what your age is is what you're going to pay? It seems like ageism. This seems to be a clear case of ageism. And I'm pissed because I'm old. Build-A-Bear, come on. Why are you screwing the old people? I don't get it. The promotion was so successful, it said it incited both happiness and anger, which... I mean, all good promotions really do, right? All good promotions are going to incite both both happiness and anger. And there's photos online. You really should see these things because it's a scary thing to me when you have lines extending through a mall, lines extending into parking lots in the afternoon morning heat, lines with parents holding umbrellas up over their children to keep them cool so you know they can get a discount on a stuffed toy. At a store in Colorado, they estimated 1,800 to 2,000 people waiting in line to snag a discount by 11 a.m. yesterday. That would be Thursday the 12th. Today's Friday the 13th. While we're recording this, you can tell there's there's a certain energy in the air being Friday the 13th. Those in line were expected to wait six to eight hours, the store worker told a local news organization. So think about this. Asshole parents bringing young children to wait in line six to eight hours to save a maximum best case scenario of about 60 bucks. How fucking desperate do you have to be? to wait in line for six to eight hours to save a maximum of $60 on something that's just a stuffed freaking toy. Child abuse, people. This is child abuse, nothing more. And you see the line. And the beautiful thing about the line, I wish I could zoom into this because, of course, a majority of the parents while standing in line, you know what they're doing. I don't have to tell you. You're a smart audience. They're on their cell phones. I would bet you (laughs) if I had to lay money down, I would bet you about 80% of the parents have an iPhone that costs them about $1,000, but they're going to wait in line six to eight hours to save 30 bucks or 50 bucks, whatever it is. It's nuts. What is your time worth, people? Having to drag your kids out 
and make them stand in a, I mean, really? You know a lot of kids. I don't have kids, but you know, I know a lot of kids that if they're going to save big money, you know, if they're going to be in that range of they're going to save the big, big bucks on this promotion to pay your age, they're going to be under 10 years old. You would have to pay me a hell of a lot more than $10 an hour to babysit kids that are 10 years and old and, and younger. But this is the insanity that is absolutely going on. And retail generates some of this kind of stuff. Is this a win for Build-A-Bear? Yeah, I think it is. Even though they pissed off a bunch of people, they made the news and they came off. They didn't come off looking like a bunch of jerks, but they came off looking stupid. And they're the people that are buying it are the ones that really came out looking stupid. I'm all for getting a good deal. I love getting me some good deals and I like getting discounts, but you're dealing here with stuffed animals, which I mean, even a really, 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 really nicely made, really, really, really cute stuffed animal. Is it really worth 65 bucks? And your kid's going to take it home and slam it around anyway. So you're basically buying a toy and you're waiting in line for six to eight hours or more in the afternoon heat to get a discount. Absolutely freaking blows my mind, people. The insanity that goes on. This is what I thought the internet was supposed to have changed, and I think it has in a vast majority of, of cases now because even my parents, who are getting up there in age, my mom went to the mall for the first time in a long time the other day to pick up some stuff, and it was her reaction to me was basically like, I'm really glad you taught me about this Amazon stuff because nobody wants to deal with going to a mall. And you wonder why brick and mortar stores are failing. It's because we've become a society that just wants things instantaneously, which I guess is weird in the Build-A-Bear case because people were willing to wait in line six to eight hours or more. But overall, I think people want things. They expect things instantaneously. So rather than having to, it used to be a big thing. You know, when we were kids, you'd get dressed, you'd get taken to the mall because you were going to, you needed clothes, you needed stuff, you needed school supplies, whatever it was. It was a big ordeal. There was pageantry around it. You went shopping. You didn't do this every day. It was something special. You did, You weren't for the other days of the week of the month, however many days you went shopping in a year, which was really just a handful. The other days you were really not thinking about being a consumer. Oh, as kids, we were thinking about it. I mean, you'd get the Sears catalog or the Toys R Us catalog or whatever it was, and you'd be making your wish list, you know, especially when it came time for your birthday or Christmas and all that. But we were not a society of instantaneous consumers. You Shopping was a thing, again, where it was pageantry. You went out, you did it, you went through the stores, you looked, you decided what you want, you made your purchase, and this took time. And you felt like you accomplished something. And it wasn't that easy to overspend quickly, where now if I'm just randomly reading an article online that says, oh, hey, build a bear, and I'm like, shit, that bear looks really cool. Oh. Two clicks of the mouse, I could be on their website. Three clicks of the mouse, I could have it paid for. And with probably a lot of uh, re a lot of regret, the bear would probably be there in two to three business days. So it's an interesting thing to me. Having experienced life before the internet, before Amazons and all this other kind of thing, these, these big behemoth stores were around, 
having the ability, it's it's a little bit weird still, and I utilize it all the time. I mean, it's something, you know, when you have parents, grandparents who need supplies and things like that, it's a heck of a lot easier now when grandma calls and says, hey, I need X, Y, and Z, rather than having to go to the store and buy the stuff and bring them to her. You press a couple buttons and magically somebody in a brown truck or whatever shows up with the items at her door in the next day or two. So I understand it's a convenience and all, but the convenience allows us, you know, brings in more problems because it allows us to buy things quickly and easily. You don't even really have to think about it too much, which is why even though Amazon is how many years old now? I mean, I think I've been on Amazon for about a decade, maybe slightly more. I do occasionally buy things on my phone or tablet rather than being on, you know, a large normal computer system. But I still refuse to turn on the buy it with one click bullshit. Because to me, that seems like it makes it just a little bit too easy to make a purchase. And I know Amazon, you'll tell me I could still, if I make a mistake and press it, I could still go through and cancel it and all that. But I want a little bit of that pain in the assness of buying things online. I'm okay with pressing the button that says, hey, I want the new Steve Earle album. Then it's taking me to a screen that says, how do you want to pay? Where do you want us to ship? Please confirm your order. I'm fine with all that rather than just clicking a button on the page with the Steve Earle album. One click. woo, It's on its way. I want a little bit of that. Are you sure you want to do this? Asking the question just once, I think, is a lot more than not having that question asked at all. But it's an interesting thing because you wind up shopping now almost on a daily basis rather than, you know, for things like housewares, clothes, and that maybe you were doing it once a month or so, maybe less. Grocery shopping, I think, is a different thing. But Amazon is getting into that now, too, and it's really going to start changing the ball game. Now that they bought Whole Foods, and it looks like I didn't even want to check too much into it, because again, I think it's, I'm going to become really the, uh, the guy that sits at home and never wants to interact with society, and that may be a beautiful utopia for both me and society, just, just throwing that out there. But with Whole Foods being able to deliver food to your door, and with Amazon, it looks like this is free, like everything else with Amazon, as long as you spend X amount per order. And to me, it seems like it would make that just too easy, too convenient. Is that weird that being too convenient is something that bothers me? Am I nuts? If I am, again, fire me an email, randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Again, I want to get my lazy ass off the couch to the grocery store to see what's going on, to pick out the best produce. You got to squeeze me some melons. You know, you want to get the best possible thing. And I understand you're going to have people that are picking it out for you. And hopefully you're doing a good job and all of that. But retail, it's a weird thing, and it's changing the way we live. I used to go out to record stores on a weekly, if not multiple times per week basis. I worked in one for a while. Well, it wasn't completely a record store, but we'll get to that in a minute. You know, I, that would be the thing to do. You'd go to the record stores. You'd go to the bookstores. You know, not really the mall so much for me, but those were the record stores bookstores, you know, that was your entertainment. Looking for that rare vinyl, looking for that rare CD, looking for uh, a book that would interest you 
And at the time, browsing actually took some time rather than going to Amazon, typing in a keyword and then going, hey, look, here's all the books about baseball. Read Hawk Harrelson's new book. I hear it's absolutely excellent. But that was the way we did things. And now everything is just is just there. And it, it's is it better. Is it worse? It drives me nuts at times because I think I love the convenience of it. But we're becoming a less connected society. We used to at least have to go out and interact with people to go to the stores. And even if you're just smiling and saying hi, you're out there. You're being a part of society rather than sitting at home and staring at a screen. When your shopping experience is the same as your Twitter experience, it, it just, to me, that is worrisome because people on Twitter are absolutely angry, vile, and apeshit. And it becomes way too easy to be that way when you refuse to interact with real people from time to time. Although I've worked retail and interacting with people was probably the worst portion of that job. And I've had some really, really fun times working retail, and I've had some really, really bad times. My first job was working for a small pool store where the majority of my job was loading the five-gallon jugs of the toxic chemical chlorine into people's cars. The worst part was, do you know how the chlorine gets into those five-gallon jugs that you had to lug around where you just loaded them up on pallets? They got into those five-gallon jugs by an asshole like me filling those five-gallon jugs from a tank the size of something Exxon would love. Thousands of gallons of this stuff, tens of thousands of gallons go into those. I had to take them from that big thing and put them into the five-gallon jugs, and that really sucked. Let me tell you, if you think it smells like chlorine when you walk up to your local public pool or when you go into any pool, (laughs) you have no idea what chlorine really smells like. It's horrible. And having to fill those jugs, you know which days are the most popular, where the most people come in looking for chlorine? The really, really hot ones. So you're out back behind a little shitty company filling five-gallon jugs of chlorine from the big monster jug of chlorine, and it's like 100 degrees, you're sweating, inhaling toxic chemicals. (laughs) Really, if you want your kids to learn about making, you know, working and and actually making their own money, anybody that wants to tell me that I have white privilege, have you ever fucking filled chlorine jugs in the height of a summer? If not, shut the fuck up. It's not fun. Although. The one little bright side was you got to put a radio on and listen to whatever music you wanted to as loud as you wanted to. And nobody ever bothered you when you were filling chlorine because they didn't want to smell the chlorine gas that you were having to deal with at that particular time. And after I realized one year working in the chlorine mines was more than enough for me, I went to work for a small bookstore called Crocs and Brentano's, which, uh, was a lot of fun. Working in a bookstore, you get to meet a whole different slew of people than you did Chuck and Chlorine. And it was an interesting experience overall, but fairly boring. Again, a lot of crazy customers who would come in and say, yeah, that you had a book in the window six months ago and it was blue. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, Do you have that? Oh, yeah, sure. I remember that. I'll get that. 
I'll get that for you right away. Next, I went to work for Radio Shack, which, of course, eventually went out of business. But it was a lot of fun for a guy like me who was into all the tech stuff, who loved messing around with audio gear and hell, even CBs and all the weird uh, stuff that Radio Shack carried at the time. The computers were just really starting to hit at that point. So it was fun being able to play with all those gadgets. And I always had a pretty well-rounded knowledge of the uh, the types of things that Radio Shack carried. It was something that I was buying, that I was interested in. And of course, working retail at Radio Shack, the best thing always was their free battery club when people would come in once a month for the free battery that was going to last them about a day. I don't know if anybody ever figured that one out. I don't know how they wouldn't. But the batteries that Radio Shack sold were in a variety of qualities. And the ones that they gave away free, (laughs) they sucked. There was no question about it. They absolutely sucked. Were you getting a free battery? Sure. Was it a good battery? No, but that didn't stop people from coming in. I know the concept was you'd get people in the store. And while they were there to get their free 30-cent battery, of course, they would buy something else. They didn't. They did not buy anything else. They were the free battery people, and a lot of them had multiple cards, of course, because, well, this is my wife's and my son's and my Uncle Joe's, and, well, yeah, they would try to load up on the free batteries, and we just smiled and laughed and, and gave them their free batteries. But that was Radio Shack. After that, I moved up in the world and went to work for Circuit City, where service is state-of-the-art. Oh, yeah, they went out of business, too. Are you seeing a, a, a seeing a connection here? Are you seeing a pattern? I swear, it wasn't me. It really, really wasn't me. Circuit City was probably the most interesting and the most fun retail experience that I had, being I was put into the audio department, and I'm an audio nerd. If anybody knows anything about me, I'd love me some audio gear. And the perks there were great, too, because companies like JBL who were making kick-ass speakers at the time, and companies like Ankyo, who were making some great receivers and uh, everything else at the time, would offer us massive discounts because they knew we were selling their products. So really, there is nothing better than a salesperson that says to you when you walk in saying, hey, I'm looking for speakers, and they say, hey, well, I own some JBLs. Let me show you what we have or I own an Ankyo. So this is why they give us great discounts and the perks were great. And that was one of the greatest things about it. And the nice folks at JBL understood something very important about incentivizing the people to sell their products, because not only did they give us an amazing way to buy their products cheaper, they would occasionally run a really good spiff program. And if you don't know what a spiff is, it's basically even though you're working for the man, at Circuit City, and they're the ones paying you, if you kept track of how many certain products you would sell from a another company, and of course, this was all done automatically, but for the products that you would sell from a company like JBL, they would give you a spiff. They incentivized you. They would give you extra money to sell their products. So it was a bump to the commission rate. And one particular JBL promotion sticks in my mind because It paid for my honeymoon, literally 100% paid for the honeymoon on bonus money from JBL, because here is the system 
that they ran. They came out with a set of speakers that was competing with the Bose Acoustamass, which of course the Bose Acoustamass still exists. Before I recorded this, I went and looked and the JBL versions don't appear to anymore in JBL. Appears to be a gutted company at this point. Maybe it's because they paid me way too much to sell their speakers. And that really made me sad because I love my JBL speakers and they do some really, really great stuff in the professional market. But I digress. They came up with a spiff system to sell these speakers, which again, they were high end speakers. They were the really small speakers with the with the subwoofer like the Bose Acoustamass. The way the spiff worked on these things was and I'm probably getting the numbers completely and utterly wrong. But the speakers started, if I remember right, between $650 and $700. And if you sold between one and four of them during this time period, you would get a $25 spiff for each one. That's freaking awesome. If you sold like five to 10, the spiff went up to 50 bucks and it was retroactive to all of them. If you sold over 10, then you got like 75 bucks for all of them. If you sold over 20, you got like 100 bucks for all of them. Turns out out of everybody doing this in Circuit Cities nationwide, I was in like the top five or so, five to 10, maybe in the top five. I don't remember exactly. I do remember a check, which I think was $3,600 in JBL spiff money for selling those speakers. And it was the easiest thing in the world. I know I can talk and I know I know my audio gear and I can be a pretty good salesperson. But the thing that sold these speakers was I would put on a CD and I would switch between the Bose and the JBL and back to the Bose and back to the JBL. Didn't have to do any slick talking. They were damn good speakers and they really sold themselves and the Bose Acoustamass were so hot at the time that people would come in and it was really very, very easy to move those speakers. So that's that's a good feeling part of the retail. You got to make some money. You got to play with some really good products. The downside of retail is one, customers can suck, but that's never going to go away. And two, I remember the first sale that I ever made at Circuit City. A guy came in. The store was brand new. I mean, it was literally day one of the stores in the Chicago area, or at least the store that I was working in. Day one, they ran the big ads. Somebody came in and they asked for a Pioneer cassette deck. I sold them the Pioneer cassette deck that was in the ad because that's what they asked for. And the sales manager immediately ran up to me. What'd you just do there? Now, the guy came in for the, the, the Panasonic tape deck that was in the ad. She sold it to him? Yeah. Why? What do you mean, why? Well, why didn't you walk him up to the, why didn't you walk him up to the Kenwood one or the Ankyo? We don't make any money when you sell the stuff that's in the ad. And it sucked because, you know, basically we got a quarter for selling that tape deck that was in the ad. And I would have made a few bucks if I would have sold one of the other ones. But it's like, hey, asshole, the guy came in specifically asking for this. You're the assholes running the ads, but they expected you to magically, when somebody walked into the store and asked for one of the products that they intentionally put on sale for the price that they didn't want to sell it for, they wanted you to walk them up. And I'm sorry, that's just shitty business. I'm fine telling people why another product is better, but there's a thin line between 
giving the customer what they want and trying to strong arm them. I will never forget one of the guys. There were two guys that came up from our St. Louis stores to help in the Chicago stores when they were launching. And the guy working in the audio department, I was listening to, you know, we're trying to learn our craft, right? We're trying to see how the guys that have done it before are doing this. And a woman came in and again for a tape deck, asked for the Sony tape deck that was probably in the ad because they were in the ad all the time for Circuit City. She asked for the Sony tape deck and he started going through the spiel explaining to her why the Kenwood one for 20 bucks more, 30 bucks more, whatever it was, why it was better. And it was a glorious reason. I mean, it was, that's going to sound better. It's going to look better. It's going to, oh man, it's going to basically butter your bread for you. The guy knew how to sell. But after giving the big spiel, explaining why this Kenwood one for just a few dollars more would be that much better and give her so much more satisfaction, she asked the question, is there anything really wrong with this? Pioneer one that I asked for, or the Sony one that I asked for. And he looked at her and said, Not if you're looking for a doorstop. I had to walk away. I thought it was funny as hell. Customer, not so much. And you wonder why people don't like dealing with, you know, car salesmen, stereo salesmen, this kind of thing. It's because you come in looking for something. And then you're belittled because you're just an idiot trying to buy something that, of course, is is a piece of garbage. On the other side of that, uh, I remember a day where a guy came in to buy some audio gear and there were two of us working in the audio department at the time. I was helping a customer and a guy came in and started asking questions. The other employee that was currently working in the audio department just happened to be a female and a young, attractive female, which to this guy meant she didn't know anything at all because after she walked up to him, said, hello, how can I help you today? You know, what can I do for you? His answer was, I'm sorry, little girl. I want to talk to one of the guys. It's like, you know what? (laughs) After hearing that, I just made sure after I was done helping my customer, I just disappeared because I was not going to have any of that. The funny thing is people are just so ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. Maybe you should feel sorry for them. In this case, I didn't. I thought the guy was just being an asshole. The bright side of retail is you got to work every now and then with a lot of fun people. And it was not, well, people will you know say things are like being in battle with someone. But I can tell you, I understand this wasn't like actually doing battle, but Working retail through the holiday season and Black Friday, it's the damn closest thing you're going to get without actually having a gun strapped to your back because it's a lot of nuts coming in. It's a lot of hard work. And the next time you actually have to walk into a store, if you still do, because I know everybody shops on Amazon now, but maybe be a little bit nicer to the clerk that's working there because they're just trying to do their damn job. But long story short, I moved over to another place that sold the same stuff as Circuit City. They were called Silo, and they, can you guess, they went out of business. Yeah, I think there's a stigma. You you hire me, you go out of business, at least like eight times out of ten. 
I then went to work for a carpet store who is still very much in business and, and doing very well. So I didn't kill the last one. So give me that. And then I went to work for myself because I realized working retail sucked and I had the ability to do things like make websites, work and, and teach people about marketing and media and using all of this stuff, podcasting, doing videos. And it's been a lot more fun since then. But I have fond memories of, of the retail experience and the people that I had worked with and the camaraderie that came with it. I don't I do miss all of that. I don't miss my feet hurting like hell at the end of a 12 hour day. I do miss the rush, though, of being able to uh, to sell a bunch, watch the watch the commissions and the spiffs, uh, you know, adding up as the day goes on and the week goes on. There are both good things and bad things about retail. Hopefully, if you worked retail, you're still alive and have some good memories. Feel free to reach out again. Email us at random thoughts podcast, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts podcast at gmail.com. And go over, rate, give us a five-star rating if you can. Subscribe. Tell a friend, help spread the word of the Random Thoughts podcast. I would certainly appreciate it. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thank you for listening.